0: Hey, hey, this is Coach A.A., and welcome to the number 29th edition. The three things for today. The first one, don't think, feel, or how I learned to stop overthinking. The second one, three quotes that caught my attention, and finally, on doing things the second time around and why sometimes they don't work as well as the first time around so let's get on with it how I learned to stop overthinking I owe this to one of my first coaches uh, Adrian Bosman at uh, San Francisco CrossFit So when I started I knew nothing about any of this stuff and as a kid, I loved geeking out, so my solution to everything was to try and solve it. If I can solve it in my head, if I can figure out how this works, I thought, I can figure out how to get to the result. So, I shut up the first few months of CrossFit because, well, really, I I don't know how better to say I sucked, but I found it a struggle to even finish a workout and things like that. But once I found my groove, you know, bits of my personality that were uh, in check until then, well, started showing up. So as soon as Boz finished explaining the workout, I would ask him, you know, at least one question, but more like three. How do I do this? Or is this what we are supposed to do, or what if I did this and this instead of that and that. Just questions. And he would patiently answer until one day he didn't. One day, he just stopped me and he said, Hey, Arv, turn this off. And I still vividly remember him standing where he would normally stand and coach, putting his finger to his head and signaling for me and I didn't really have time to process it because that's something that jars with me okay because I've never done things that way but well the next thing was workout timer started and you get to it and that workout was very different it was amongst the few times when I really did manage to not let my head or my brain get in the way of things. And there's a lot of places where we try to overanalyze technique. I've done this as a coach as well when I do instruct people, but over the nine years of coaching, I've started trying to coach lesser and lesser and let people figure things out more for themselves because I do feel that's where things take hold a lot more. My job as a coach is to uh, either tell you a story or try to explain to you as to how this is going to feel or how you're going to try to think about something rather than just tell you what the 10 things to get right in a kettlebell swing are. That's the easy part you thinking about those 10 things is not going to get you to do a better kettlebell swing. So, now why is this, right? If I knew the 10 things that make up a kettlebell swing, can't I just process it in my head? Well, especially when we are starting off, our neuromuscular uh, coordination is lacking. Our proprioception is lacking. Uh, Jargon aside, what this means is Are your mind and body in sync? If you tell yourself chest up, will you get your chest up or will you get your chin up? If I tell you you're rounding your lower back, will you be able to rectify that and arch your lower back? You'd be surprised that when we start off, we won't be able to. Not because, well, it could be because our back doesn't straighten. But many times it's because our brain doesn't know to fire those muscles. And as we keep getting better, the software keeps getting better and better. The hardware is the easier part. Once the software starts to work better, the hardware starts to work better. So that's one reason why this do these 10 things does not work. The second thing is I've realized this from my own process and seeing a lot of my students go through this. When we have this checklist of 10 things to get right, there's a whole lot of self-criticism that comes in. I did not do this, this, this. Ah, come on, you could have done this better. Oh, you forgot to, you know, lock your uh, hips out. You forgot to lock your arms out. Whatever it is. You start focusing on your mistakes and you start being extremely critical of yourself. It's not a good thing. Okay? It's not constructive at all. Instead, what we might be better off is non judgmental observation. Simply meaning, without looking at it as wrong or right, or you didn't do this. Just observe what's happening. And the funny thing is, as you start to observe what's happening, and as long as you have a clear idea, and I don't mean this as these are the 10 things in technique, but many times we are, we are very good visually. So if you've seen a demo and you have a reasonable idea about what to expect or what your body is supposed to do, and you just observe yourself doing it, you will start to get better. There's a whole lot of this that uh, Timothy Galloway talks about in in Inner Game, Uh, but honestly, it was just a boss telling me to stop thinking and allowing me the space and time for me to figure this out by myself that genuinely made a huge impact in how I train and how I coach people as well. So once we park this self-criticism and judgment the about phase that happens in your training is amazing. You start listening to your body and there's a whole host of benefits that come by, but you go based on feel. And rather than trying to analyze everything and judging it as good or bad, you just keep doing reps. And I don't mean zoning out and doing half-ass reps, but... You're constantly trying to refine things. And you're like, okay, I need to go, I can do a better, I can do a little bit better. Oh, I'm doing a little bit better. You're not really sure why, but you are. So, like Bruce Lee says, and if you haven't seen the scene where he's pointing to the moon and, you know, with the little kid, do watch it. Many times we're better off if we don't think and instead go by feel. So, right out. And as always, training is my sandbox for life. I learned this life skill, I would say, at the gym. But this is a life skill I try to translate into life. Well, that's about it for the first one. The second one, uh, three quotes. And this time around, these quotes are extremely uh, pertinent to me and, well, what I'm going through. So let me just start. There's, There's two that are related. First one, do the kinds of things that come from the heart. When you do, you won't be dissatisfied, you won't be envious, you won't be longing for somebody else's things. On the contrary, you'll be overwhelmed by what comes back. This comes from a book I highly recommend called Tuesdays with Maury. And the other quote that goes with this uh, comes from Derek Sivers of uh, CD Baby. The real point of doing anything is to be happy, so do only what makes you happy. Now, these two quotes um, right now, I am lacking a lot of clarity about where the quad is going, where the D9 is going, what my particular role is, what I want to do as a coach, how I want to help people, do I want to continue working with the same small group of people or do I want to try to teach a larger group of people? Just things, uh, you know, overthinking. It happens. So, as I keep trying to simplify things for myself and figure out, what I do want to be doing, which is, well, I want to help people. I want to teach. I want to coach. But what does that mean, right? More of what I've done or is there a better way? I keep reminding myself that whatever it is, it needs to make me happy. Because if I'm not happy, I can't help you at all. It just doesn't work. So I think this is the right kind of selfishness. So I need to figure it out what makes me happy, and, well, go from there. And then there's this quote by Ralph Marston, which is, again, this is a little bit personal, but let me me read this quote and then explain. Whatever you're doing, a sense of superiority will make you worse at it. Humility, on the other hand, will make you better. The moment you think you've got it all figured out, your progress stops. Instead, continue to advance and improve by reminding yourself how much more there will always be to discover. The reason this sticks in my head is as a kid, I was a cocky little shit. Pardon my language. And as I went to grad school, I was still a little... Yeah, I was still there, but over the last, you know, 10, 12 years or so, it's something I've worked on. Not being, you know, an ass. Instead, there are nicer ways to try to explain the same things, nicer ways to teach, to get the point across without being cocky. And somewhere along the line, I mistake confidence versus arrogance. That is, I don't want to be arrogant, but I do want to be confident. And then there is the humility versus arrogance line, right? So again, it goes back to my perennial problem of overthinking things. So if if this is all very clear to you, (laughs) that's amazing. I would love to hear your advice uh, on how I can tackle this. But finding that line where I am confident about what I'm doing, about what I'm coaching, about this is the best thing you can be doing for yourself. And being humble. The thing is, the the humble part is actually pretty easy because the more I read, the more I realize how utterly little I know. And so staying humble is okay, but how do I stay humble and I stay confident? That I'm struggling with, if that makes sense at all. Like I said, if you have any advice for me, I would love to hear from you. And finally, the last thing for today, we will go on to talking about why certain things don't work as well the second time around. Uh, Maybe we've done a training program, a diet, most probably, but first time you saw great results but then the second time hmm, not so much now let's be clear the first time you start something and you finish it you've probably hit rock bottom okay you know you don't want to be there so the amount of intent the amount of motivation that you have to want to climb out of there is amazing the second thing is at that place You're willing to put in the work. You're willing to just attack it with every bit of brute force you have. And that's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool. Which is why um, earlier, I would have been very puritanical about saying, try to do the right thing, but now, you know what? Shiny objects, whatever it is you're doing, they work. Do whatever catches your fancy, and along the way, you'll stumble onto something better. Don't try to find the perfect answer now. But I digress. Why do things not work well the second time around? Does your body adapt? Is it really uh, the problem? See, the the, the body adapting is is something that happens. But let me explain. Let's let's talk about uh, running as an example, right? When you start running, say the amount of calories you expend or the amount of time it takes you to run, five kilometers or whatever, is a lot. And then you might start losing a lot of weight as you start running. Well, this is how it happened for me. So it's easy to use running as an example. And then after a certain point, it's it stops. It slows down. Why? Because your body gets pretty efficient at it. Okay? It starts to try to minimize the amount of energy expenditure to do the same amount of work. Your aerobic base has gotten better. And your cadence, your running style all of it will get better to a certain extent. And so the diminishing returns start. After that, you gotta do something else. You gotta either run faster, run more, things like that, right? So that's why you know there is that thing about adaptation. But let's talk about you know, a diet or going to the gym for three months at a stretch. Hey, I did this last January, I lost 10 kilos, whatever it is, but or I went on this diet, and this time around, you know what, didn't go too well. It has less to do with physiological adaptations and more to do with us. And that's what I want to explain. So what happens is, well, we know too much. We know it's going to be hard. We stuck to the rules first time around. Now we know where we can bend the rules a little where we can break the rules a little and we try to find those loopholes. Why? Well, come on, 12 weeks of doing such and such a thing. Oh my God, it's going to be hard. I need some chocolate, a little bit of chocolate doesn't hurt because, well, chocolate is, you know, 100 calories. I can calories in, calories out, whatever. You come up with your own logic and it might be absolutely spot on. It might be right, but you start sneaking things in throughout and thinking you're doing the same thing when you're not. And you also know how hard it is. So you start protecting yourself, you start building in some defense mechanisms around it. So we basically start to change the whole thing and start making it a little easier for ourselves. We start tweaking it and we make our own customization saying, you know what, this uh, let's take the D9, for example. They said 45 minutes of activity, but you know what? I could manage only 20 minutes today. Something is better than nothing, so I'm gonna to stick to 20, but I did something, so I'm gonna mark it as I did activity. No. Stick to the rules. And then things start sneaking in. You get bored. You know, you want something new. What's different this time around? Well, it doesn't have to be different. If it works... It works. Why don't you just do it? And as you start learning more and more and more, other interesting conundrums start. Eat your favorite foods, they say. Well, okay, but eating your favorite foods a little too much is what brought us here. So where's the line in the sand? How much? How often? Do we, don't we? It can get confusing. And if you're an overthinker like me, well, you'll overthink and cripple yourself. The thing is, unfortunately, there's no right or wrong, and it all depends, okay? So the approach for the second or third time around, though, first things first, before we even get into any of this, you need to be clear, are you all in, or are you going to do it at 80%? And again, there's no right or wrong here. 80% 80% is 80%, a lot easier. 100% is 100%. So if, does, if it does say, you know, no sugar and no wheat for eight weeks, means no sugar and no wheat for eight weeks. If you want to do the 80%, figure out what that is. It could be nothing on the weekdays, something on the weekends. Doesn't matter. Fix the rule. And last time, you probably did it gung-ho, right? Full on. Eight weeks means eight weeks, no weekends. And this time you're tweaking it. So of course you're not gonna get the same results, but it might be okay. Because this time you might wanna continue for the rest of the year. Because 80% is not that hard. So here's some thoughts about what else you can do. Follow the plan, don't meddle with it. If you're gonna meddle with it, make that the plan, assess it. Do it for four weeks. Did it work? Did it not work? If it did not work, Go back to the main plan. You are done with your tweaking, okay? Try it next time around. Behave like a beginner. For example, if you had to write a detailed food journal and you did it the last time around, but this time you're like, yeah, hey, if I have my own shorthand or I don't really need it, I eat the same thing every day. No, shut up, do it, okay? Don't skip steps. Stay patient and start with it clean slate. Like all of this is different ways of saying the same thing. The one thing you should definitely do though, second time around, because second time around should be better than first time around, is build on your lessons from the first time around. Write them down, codify them into this system, and that's it. It will be better than the first time, because you know how to get to the end. You can do this. Most times, we make the second time around worse when it need not be the case at all. As long as you bring in the intent, you can do this, okay? Always remember that. Well, with that, I am done with today's edition. Thanks for listening. This is Coach A.A. signing off until next weekend. Bye-bye.